0: We have been in a sermon series that we've called Fresh, and this morning, for the first time, we are actually going to hear from David Woodrow, if you want to welcome him up here. So David and his wife, Olivia, um, they lead a pretty cool young adult group, which David has told me I'm not too old to come to attend, by the way. <laughs> he's never going to live that down. Um, but David recently accepted the position of our worship director, so you've been able to see him on stage, and this morning we get to hear from him. So sorry, Curtis, I'm just talking over you here. No, that's okay. Um, would you guys just extend a hand here, and we're going to pray over David. Father, thank you so much for David. Thank you just for the words that you have this morning for us. We pray that you would just um, open our hearts and minds as he shares and just shares his powerful story on redemption. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. And yeah, we're just excited to see what David has in him. We pray. Amen. Thanks, Chester. We call him, a lot of people call him Chester now. When we first came out here, uh, we were recapping, meeting everybody, and and Liv turns to me, and she's like, "No, it was, what was the youth pastor's name again? It's Michaela and Chester. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've all been just, we've been driving that name hard. It's kind of it's over at this point, but I at least get to say it here on stage. Okay, yes, thank you guys for the welcome. Um, and yes, I'm the other really um, super tall David who plays guitar on stage, but the one who is slightly better, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just kidding. Dave is amazing. When he plays guitar, I worship. When I play guitar, sometimes I'm like, oh, look at the cool thing I'm doing. But he's so great at getting us to enter in. So is Dave in here? He's, he's probably eating breakfast right now. You don't want to go eat breakfast? babe? Okay. My wife's staying for two services. It's pretty sweet. Okay, so today I want to share, um, or Jim asked me to share my story. And, um, and uh, as I was praying about, what the word would be, I felt like it's just a a story of redemption, and it feels pressed upon my heart uh, to share this because I just, I'm so convinced that he wants to do the same thing in anybody else's life who will just say uh, yes to the invitation of, do you trust me? Oh, there he is. Hey, Dave. (laughs) So yeah, my wife and I, uh, we moved here on March 4th. So, a little nod to any prophetic people, you know, March 4th. Someone told me they didn't get last time, so I'm telling you guys, March 4th. Um, We come from the great Buckeye State. I tried to get Tech to put a slide up of OH, but they said no. uh, No Ohio State fans in here? Okay, never mind. Uh, They did at least allow a picture of my wife and I and our dog, Bailey, Um, yeah, he's, he's a trip. That was, I couldn't believe he let us do that. Anyway, um, okay, so about my story. At four years old, I remember telling my mom, she asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, uh, I want to be a singer or an actor. I was just honest with her. And uh, who, else, who else feels like that? when they were four years old, you wanted to be like a singer, an actor, a dancer? Nobody? Nobody wanted to do that? Come on. Okay. Yeah, my wife. Thank you, and a couple other people. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's, cra- it's still it's still crazy to me that I'm I'm getting paid to do the thing that I love. So thank you, Lord, and thank you, um, Sullivan, for giving me this opportunity. Um, now I know what you may be thinking uh, in terms of singing. My wife, I know, is maybe the she's the better singer. Uh, first off, guys, don't crush my dreams. You don't have to keep telling me over and over again how amazing my wife is at singing. You can, you can just tell her directly. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm getting over my pride. Please keep telling me. I love getting to tell my wife how wonderful other people see she is too. So back on my musical journey, I started playing drums at 16 because I thought if I played drums, uh, there's a chance I could be a lead singer in a band. And honestly. I was just getting tired of seeing how much fun people were having on stage. Uh, somehow it worked. I became a lead singer of a high school garage band. It was pretty sweet. I was pretty horrible. Come to find out uh, a couple years later, my, uh, my father candidly told me, he said, Son, your band was super passionate, but you were horrible. And he only told me this years later after I improved I got vocal lessons and improved my singing a bit. So shout out to my dad. Uh, Thank you for not telling me then and only lovingly telling me years later when I could handle it. So after high school, I got accepted into the Ohio State University. And I I begrudgingly majored in engineering after strong advice from a mother uh, who only wants to see her son taken care of. Um, I played in a couple bands throughout, even toured a little bit. Uh, Self-booked, of course. We didn't have a manager or anything. Uh, I graduate in March of 2012. I get a job in engineering, making great money. And I was the most depressed I'd ever been in my life. Um, I don't know if you guys were here for Karen's Word last week, but she talked about finding our fulfillment in the presence of God. And I was trying to find my fulfillment in my achievement, and I was left feeling empty Um, everyone and everything around me uh, just felt selfish and close to meaningless. In my distorted view, all I could see were other people just trying to make as much money as possible and recreating themselves by having a family. Uh, Fifteen months into my job, I end up getting addicted to drugs to make me feel happy again. And uh, 18 months later, my job is sending me to rehab. And then three weeks later, I wound up in jail. Now, I'm guessing most of you guys probably can't relate, if not everybody in this room. Uh, But maybe you feel like you're in a place that feels hopeless or unsalvageable or you're in a broken relationship or um, you just lost your job. I'm here today to tell you that nothing is impossible for God. If my story says, yeah, amen, if my story says anything, is that God wants to come in and redeem all those parts in your life that he thought were unsalvageable. So I'm going to pray real quick um, as we just enter in. So yeah, Holy Spirit, we just invite you in more and more. Let your words speak through me, and uh, just let us connect as a family, and let any word that's not from you just fall on deaf ears, in Jesus' name. So before I get started on my, on my story, uh, or the God parts of my story, uh, I want to tell a little bit about Saul in the Bible. Now, in the Bible, there's two Sauls. There's one in the New Testament, Saul before Paul. That's the one I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the Saul who killed 1,000 and David killed 10,000. As much as that is a great story, especially considering his name is David, but this is the, yeah, this is the, the Saul before Paul. And Saul was considered the Pharisee of all Pharisees. If you don't know what a Pharisee is, they're considered um, like the utmost expert on the Hebrew Bible, and they're part of this elite uh, Jewish sect. Um, it's kind of like a country club member in his golf clubs. I put that joke in here just for Chad, and he's not in here anymore, so... Um. So yeah, Saul was on his way to Damascus. He's persecuting believers. He's, he had even killed a believer up to this point. And all of a sudden, he encounters this brilliant light, and uh, it's Jesus. And, and Jesus talks to Saul. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, uh, who are you, Lord? And he's like, I'm God, and I'm, I'm sending you to Damascus. Oh, and by the way, you're blind, and so Saul ends up being blind, gets sent to Damascus. Jesus sends this guy named Ananias to go and heal him of his blindness. And then not even an hour later, Saul is in the synagogues preaching that Jesus is the son of God. See, His life was, his life was miraculously redeemed. To persecuting and even killing Christians, to going and preaching that, that God is an eternal hope and he's a redeemer and his name is Jesus. Now, I tell this story about Saul because I was on a similar path and had a similar encounter. See, I was, I was burning all the bridges in my life. I wasn't talking to anybody. I wasn't talking to my family and friends about what was really going on with me. I was in isolation. Um, and because of that isolation, I, I believe that's why I ended up in jail. I didn't talk. You know, I wasn't seeking help um, and I'll, I'll tell you how I got to jail after, if you want to come talk to me. But anyway, I wound up in jail. I get pepper sprayed. And so I don't know if you guys have ever been pepper sprayed, but you, you can try to open your eyes, but you just can't. Like, it is just, you just can't see anything. And so I, I fumble my way over in my cell to find the sink so that uh, I can try to wash it out. Nothing's working. I even take toilet bowl water. throw it on my face. Um, That totally didn't work. Uh, Pepper spray is oil-based, and I didn't know that, Um, so that was a big failure on my part. (laughs) Um, I even call out to the prison guards in my cell, uh, as I thought they could help me. I call out to a guidance counselor they assigned me. I call out to my mom. I even call out to Mother Teresa at one point. Uh, I was kind of Bridging to the spiritual gap a little bit, I, th- I sincerely thought that she could help me for some reason. Um, and I remember getting to God, and I did not want to call out his name. See, I was in the cell where everybody could see me. There's was like bulletproof glass. I could see the newcomers coming in and all the police in front of me doing their work, and, and then I could hear the cellmates off to my left kind of heckling me because I had been singing songs and stuff. And I just... Yeah, I didn't want to call out to God because I thought I was going to get made fun of. And, um, but somehow, I just did. I said, God, will you help me? And immediately, I had this thought, this voice. Like, Tell me to go and look into the light. So, like, I walk over, and I look into the fluorescent light in my cell. And he says, I want you to draw your eyes back on. So I take my fingers, I drew them around my eyes, and then I could see perfectly again. And then he says, you were made in my image. And this was, I mean, in mind you, this is seemingly probably the most embarrassing moment in my life. Like, my hair is thinning, and it was soaking wet. Everybody could see me. They just heard me call out to God. And yet he is shouting love over me in this moment. Or at least he was in my heart. And he was definitely marking my true identity. I didn't see it then, but God was planting the seeds of redemption in my life. From that point on, my whole demeanor changed. Before, I was erratic, singing, dancing around my cell, being super confrontational to the guards around me. And now I was just calm, left wondering what the heck was that? See, I accepted Jesus at four because my mom lovingly painted a picture of heaven and hell. But I didn't have an encounter with him until I was 26. Much like Saul, I was following a religion because other people told me to. Now, is it bad to blindly follow God? No. John 20, 29 says, Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. I just knew in my heart that I had to work out my own salvation, not tag along my mom or someone else's faith. And I believe that space where you throw off the fear of man is a space that creates an encounter says, I'm not going to worry about what other people think. I'm just going to come forward, Lord. I need your help. I believe he's calling us into that encounter today. It's okay because we're family, right? Okay, I'm going to pick back up in my story because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our... power of our... Woo, come on. So after my encounter, I go to an outpatient treatment in Scottsdale. I get sober. I'm on a plane ride back to Ohio three months later, not even thinking about getting high. My plane lands, and I call my drug dealer. See, I had replaced that space in my heart uh, with apathy instead of replacing it with the presence of God. And the enemy came right in and snatched it right up. I equate this to Matthew 12, 43 through 45, which basically says, if you cast out an unclean spirit, it's going to come back seven times stronger if you haven't replaced that spot in your heart. So what was my deeper issue? I've kind of already alluded to this, but I believe it is found in Karen's message last week about finding our fulfillment in the presence of God. She said in Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is fulfillment. She also asks this question, which is, you know, it, it, it begs the question, what does fulfillment look like in our life? Or what does the presence of God look like in our life? Maybe to you it's, uh, it was the birth of your child, or maybe it's reconnecting with your old friends and sharing laughter, like true laughter. Or maybe it's um, serving or helping your neighbor or watching the sunrise. Ephesians 1.11 says, before we were even born, he gave us our destiny, that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. So I'm, I'm convinced that when we say yes to the Lord and when we come into alignment with his plan, that we begin to see that fulfillment. We begin to see what love looks like. And we know that his plans are good, because God is good, and he can't act outside of his nature. Just like God is love, anything that isn't love, we know it's not from God. Famous life verse for many people, Jeremiah 29, 11 states, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that good? I'm going to jump back into my story because I believe it uh, it illustrates what living according to his plan looks like and doesn't look like. Um, so after getting back in Ohio and, and back on drugs, I go back to my job where I don't tell them about my jail experience or um, all that stuff. And And three months later, I end up failing a drug test, and I get fired. At this point in my life, I I feel like I have truly failed the world's narrative of success. I end up moving in with my mom and my stepdad. I start going to church. I get wrapped up in a community of people who really love me well. And I still end up getting addicted to drugs. I get addicted to a drug that's supposed to help you get off of drugs. yeah, I just spend, I spend the next year of my life still in limbo. I just played video games all day. I didn't work. And I went to a church function here and there. But God works all things together for good. I may look back on that year. Come on. I may look back on that year and think it was all wasted, but I can see the seeds of redemption. In fact, a friend from my job that I got fired, kept calling me after I was fired just to check up on me. And this was like some, I didn't think anything of this person. Like he would, he would come to talk to me while I was in my addiction at my work and just see how I was doing. Um, and so when he was calling me, I'm like, who is this guy? But he would talk to me, ask me how I was doing, and then he would always uh, exhort me to read John And I'd say I would, I'd get off the phone, and I would just pick my controller back up, start playing my video games. And this would happen over and over and over again. Finally, one day, I got off the phone with him. In fact, it was October 21st, 2016, and I felt the same voice or thought again. says, do you trust me? And I had never thought about this before. I knew it was God. I knew he was saying, do you trust me, David. Do you trust me to never leave you or forsake you? Do you trust me that I actually want to be your source of comfort and not these other things that you think are bringing you fulfillment? And just as an aside, and the, I knew he was saying to get off of the drug that I was on, I don't want you guys to hear me saying that medication is bad, as it, it certainly helped me actually get off of the drugs that I was on, and it's obviously helped billions of people. I just knew in my heart that I didn't need it anymore. And I would also tried to get off of this drug many times before, and I would just withdraw for days, just laying in my bed, watching Netflix, not doing anything. But this time, I had a two-week supply left, I gave it to my mom, walking out on faith, went to bed, woke up the next day, I didn't have any withdrawal symptoms. I was, (laughs) yeah. I was even able to play music again. And I would never do that when I was withdrawing. I I went on a hike the next day. I was even able to connect with my family. The only thing I did um, experience was uh, social anxiety, which I feel like God did on a purpose so that I would learn how to reconnect with people again. It's crazy that I'm standing here today sharing my testimony with you guys. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to the redemption bits. And before I start this, the best way I can describe God really showing me fruits of his redemption in my life is like getting onto a roller coaster. It's like you, you strap in, but you are, you're just along for the ride. You're not in control at this point. Because you said yes to the Lord. You don't know what tomorrow is going to look like, but you're just going. And it's super fun. And it's a wild ride. So a couple weeks later after I I cut the drugs, I start getting all these opportunities to lead worship. Um, And I was, and I still am. I still feel this excitement. Like Jesus heals. Like he healed me. And he wants to redeem your life. Like Saul, just the same thing. I couldn't wait to get out and tell people about it. In January of 2017, I start leading worship at a recovery group. Um, a couple a couple of months later, I get offered a job at a coffee shop from my friend, so I'm working again. A couple months after that, another friend tells me about an engineering position, and I uh, and I I really wrestled like, do I really want to work in engineering again? But Now I had like a renewed sense of fulfillment. Like I wasn't trying to find my fulfillment in being successful or finding, you know, like I had this great achievement. Like I just felt like I can be content in any situation because I have you. and And I don't mean to say this as like, I don't feel that now. You know, like obviously we all go through different things and it's a struggle to stay like Paul says, you know, content in every situation. But I just kept pressing into that feeling. Um, where am I at? People, after, my, after first service, Jamie and Kevin came up to me, and they're like, people don't know that you're lost on your sermon. You don't have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so yeah, I apply to the job. I fearfully go to the interview. I don't tell them about my jail and drug experience because I was convinced, you know, like you can't talk about this stuff. Like they're not going to hire you. Um, Come to a couple years later, I'm just going to fast forward for a second. I end up, I felt the Lord prompt me to just tell my boss, you know, about all that stuff. So I I tell him everything, and my boss is like, yeah we, yeah, we figured when you applied for the job that you went through something, you know, and he says, but are you clean now? I was like, yep, I've been clean since October 21st, 2016. He says, good, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. We love having you here. It, it just totally blew my mind. Like fear is, fear is writing that narrative in your life that you can't open up about whatever's going on. <clears throat> I I know, I'm like, what's going on right now? (laughs) Thank you. In October that same year, I get offered a a part-time job as a worship leader at a church in in Urbana, Ohio, in Champaign County, ironically enough. And I, I thought, I thought music was over. Like I, I was using drugs to help my creativity in music, and I thought that I just had exhausted everything and it was unredeemable. But God, I even chewed tobacco for almost ten years, uh, but quit that same year because I was experiencing God to be who He says He is. I had a an eating disorder, I watched pornography, I was having premarital sex, all that stuff. God delivered me from it. Um, And I say all that, I really wrestled with sharing all that stuff, uh, but sanctification is a process. You know, when we say yes to the Lord, He sees all that stuff in our life, you know, and and more power to you if you want to just throw all of it to him. I think that is totally more blessed. So I just bless that in Jesus name if if anybody is in that place, but I'm just saying God is God works with us. Obviously. Um So yeah, 3 years later, I ended up marrying my favorite human. And we moved to Sullivan and now I feel like I'm living in a dream. Um, there was a string of days when we, when we moved here where I just said, like, I can't believe this is real. Like, it feels like I'm literally in a dream. Now, this is all um, truly wonderful, but these are all fruits of redemption. You know, the job, the freedom, the marriage, the health. Um, we were redeemed at the cross, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, who are us, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. I mean, unless we have any Jewish people in here. But... Um. Yeah, Christ redeemed us on the cross by pouring out his blood. Like our sins are forgiven. I know we've heard this, but it bears repeating. I think some people in here today need to hear this. I need to hear it all the time. Like our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Like he's actually forgotten our sins. That's a scripture. My encouragement today um, would be that we would desire him over his gifts. That we would desire Jesus more than the fruits of the redemption. Seek first the kingdom and he'll add all these other things to you. It's not that God doesn't want to bless us. Psalm 35 says he delights in the prosperity of his servants. I just pray that above all else we would long to be with him just for him. And besides, it doesn't say In his presence, this fullness of joy says in his presence. Sorry, my pits are sweaty, but I'll I'll lift it up anyway. Okay. So I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. I'm gonna pray over us. Yeah, Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are longing to stamp our true identity on us, that you are longing to come in and rewrite this story so that when we look back, we would just see the faithfulness of a loving Father. Father, we thank you that you sent your Son to pour out his life for us, that we would be redeemed and our sins would be forgiven that our sins are forgiven and that we have life and life more abundantly. I pray as we worship today that the things of the world would just melt away in comparison to all that you are and that our truest love song would rise up to you. In Jesus' name.